This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Coming up next on Plains FM, the Shetland and Orkney Connection, brought to you by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society. Played by Shetland Band Homebrew, signal 8.30pm the last Monday each month for the Shetland and Orkney Connection, produced by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society and broadcast on Plains FM 96.9, either directly in Canterbury or streaming live globally on broadband, or available for three months after the broadcast via podcast on the website www.plainsfm.org.nz. listeners and welcome to the March edition of the Shetland and Orkney Connection. It is presented by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society and is promoted by Community Radio Plains FM 96.9. The programme is broadcast at 8.30 on the last Monday of each month and is repeated on Monday morning two weeks later at noon. Now there's only Helen and uh, I this today is um, Jan has lost her voice which is not much good when you want to be recording also had a phone call from my daughter last night and she said that um, Lord Wallace, I'll say Lord Wallace, but Jim and the Jim and Rosie to me, uh, are in Nelson uh, waiting the imminent arrival of their third grandchild. So I'm hoping to catch up with them on Saturday. Well, winter hit Shetland and Orkney again earlier this month with quite a bit of snow, which meant schools and roads were closed and many ferry sailings were cancelled. The spring flowers look lovely, though as they poke their heads through the snow. Here, of course, autumn is on its way, and leaves are starting to fall. Nobody's looking forward to winter. <laughs> no, but at the moment they had quite a snowfall. Um, you know, they've had several yes, snowfalls this rather late, quite, isn't quite, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a saying: if winter comes in. If March is if winter comes in at the beginning of March like a lion, it goes out like a lamb. So hopefully oh. they'll have yeah. But anyhow, now a few snippets from the papers. The drug dogs in Shetland have been busy again and have found six hundred thousand pounds worth of drugs hidden in a microwave posted to Shetland. A thirty-eight-year-old woman from West Yorkshire has been arrested. So those dogs have certainly been a great help to keep the drugs out of Shetland. And it always amazes me that the amount of drugs that goes into Shetland, because, yes. I mean, there's only, what, 20-odd thousand people, people there. there. Mm. Mm. Continuing on the drugs thing, a 46-year-old drugs mule aboard a Northlink ferry told staff he thought he was going to die and needed help. He had ingested a couple of packages of heroin. 
two doctors aboard the vessel, and he was lucky that there was probably two yeah. doctors, had to help remove the two packages of heroin from the men, man's rectum using a toilet brush. I said, the mind boggles a bit, doesn't it? And I know it was serious, but how would you keep a straight face? Exactly. <laughs> Stu- They're idiots, aren't they? Fella. They really are. Yeah. He won't be trying that again. No, well, and when he was 46 years old, he'd think he'd have more brains, wouldn't you? Think you? But so. <laughs> A tree nursery in Lerwick is set to expand its production after an almost £10,000 cash boost from the Shetland Amenity Trust. Despite Shetland's reputation as being treeless, Scottish forestry said demand for trees is growing in the aisles. The nursery has a crucial role to play in providing suitable, well-adapted trees for folk in Shetland. It's great to hear they are planting more trees in Shetland. Did you notice trees? The treeless. Mm. Oh, yes, mm. yes. Mm. In fact, at one point we went to a little forest oh. <laughs> uh, there way up in uh, the top island mm. of Unst, mm. and uh, it had been growing for quite a long time. Mm. Yeah, yes. Well, yeah, well Binscarth in Orkney, which is not far from Finston, it's sort of in a valley and there's quite old mm. trees in there, mm. but that's sort of the biggest... Yes. Yeah. Yes. Though yeah. there are often you do see trees around mm. houses and things yeah. like that, so people are growing. But more they're never trees. very big, though, are they? No. No. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, with these well-adapted mm. trees, they'll find some that can cope better. Yeah. Well, it's the salt and all that too. Mm. Isn't it? Anyhow, a bridge instead of a barrier. This would be the first stage in a renewable energy revolution, according to one of the industry's leaders in Orkney. If his ideas to replace the first Churchill barrier was brought to fruition. For EMEC Managing Director Neil Kermode, combining tidal turbines with a bridge to Lamholm needs a good solid look at. Not only would it provide enough energy for the whole of Orkney for most of the year, but he also says it would solve the long-term problems caused by the worsening condition of the causeways. And I did know about that too. But I wonder if a bridge would stop the road closures when the weather is rough and the waves are crashing over the barriers? Mm. Yeah, because they have damaged yes. cars, broken windows and things. Yeah, right. Mm. Well, certainly the waves are getting higher <laughs> in NZ, aren't they? Yeah. Every... Uh, Mm. Mm. Getting from one island to another is a problem for both Shetland and Orkney. The Churchill barriers certainly made life so much easier for the folk in Burray and South Ronaldsay. Being able to drive to Kirkwall was so much easier than having to get the boat for the trip. Ferries are okay, but not much good in bad weather. There's also maintenance, fuel costs and replacement of old boats and keeping piers in good order, all costly. Bridges, if they could be built, would still be susceptible to bad weather closures. So what about tunnels? The Faroe Islands have built some magnificent tunnels between their islands. Sometime, have a look at them on the internet. Yeah, they are amazing. You've had they a look are, at them. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yes, all the coloured lights and makes it look... Yes, and they're huge. They are. Mm. Because I was thinking, you know, the Homer Tunnel, I don't know whether you've mm, ever been no, through that. I haven't. But that was just drilled bare rock. I mean, there's no concrete. Yes. Um, you know, whether they could do... And those ones in the Faroes are the same. Mm. There's no uh, lining of the tunnels, right. is it? Mm. Yeah, in Shetland, a council report on fixed links has estimated the cost of building five tunnels could be in excess of £500 million at 2022 prices. 
But as time goes by, these prices will only increase. The report also highlighted the cost of ferry operations, estimated to be £23 million on the coming financial year. And this has to be paid every year. The cost of tunnels doesn't seem so bad, and there would not be the problem of road closures during bad weather. No, that's mm. right. Mm. Many people in Orkney will be pleased to see the MV Pentalina back in service for a nine-month period between St Margaret's Hope and Gills Bay in Caithness, while the MV Alfred is on charter to Calmac Ferries. Pentland Ferries will operate and deliver services on behalf of Calmac Ferries on the Clyde and Hebrides network, subject to successful berthing trials. Mm. Right. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I haven't been on those boats because they've got their twin hulls. Because um, mm. I always go for the one from Thurso to um, Strumness. So. Mm. <laughs> one day I'll try it. Oh, I doubt whether I'll get back there again to do it. Right. The final season of excavation of the Ness of Brodga in Orkney will take place in 2024, after which the remains of the 5,000-year-old Neolithic complex will be covered over and backfilled. The area was discovered in 2003 and attracted thousands of visitors each summer digging season. The excavation has uncovered a complex of Neolithic buildings dating from around 3,300 BC to 2,900 BC and flanked by massive stone walls. And I was watching a program on TV about that and they wondered about the high walls and I thought, well, where this complex is, is on a little strip of land between two lakes and it's pretty windy. I said, right. I don't wonder they built walls <laughs> to yes. protect them from themselves from the wind. The size, quality and architecture of the structures, together with evidence for tiled roofs, coloured walls, decorated stone and stunning artefacts, has seen the nests hit the headlines regularly over the last two decades. Although on-site excavation is ending, research on the artefacts will continue. It is a fascinating place, and I visited it with my daughter on one of our visits to Orkney a few years ago. It was very interesting. Mm. According to Aberdeen University, genes that cause ovarian and breast cancer are ten times more likely to be found in women whose heritage can be traced to Westray than the rest of Scotland. Experts have been looking at the prevalence of the cancer-causing gene BRCA1 in those who have a grandparent from the island. It is hoped their work will help save lives through earlier detection of those at risk from the disease. Mm. What a wonderful thing that they've found that out. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. Well, it means they can keep a watch on the people, that's the thing. Yes. Now, the Orcadians' official Christmas cards are always in hot demand, sent across the country and beyond. They are now looking for your best wintry pictures of Orkneys, and there should be plenty of them this year, uh, pictures of Orkneys' wonderful landscapes and attractions for their 2023 cards. A display of the very best entries will be published in the Orcadian later in the year with details of each photographer. They would love to use your pictures to showcase some new photography. If your pictures are winners, you will be credited for your photographs, with your name appearing on the printed cards, and you will be given 10 of your very own printed Christmas cards and envelopes. And I see that Shetland is already selling their 2024 calendars. Just a wee reminder that Christmas is only nine months away. Goodness me. (laughs) 
a propeller belonging to a Second World War plane that crashed in Fair Isle has been found in a chance discovery. Resident Neil Thompson described finding the propeller blade, part of a German Heinkel 111, in concrete next to his croft. The forgotten propeller was dug up by Thomas Fisher in ground near Mr Thompson's croft. The bomber that had been modified for weather reconnaissance and was shot down on the 17th of January 1941 after encountering hurricanes based at RAF Sumbra, two of the five members died in the crash, while one of the survivors, pilot Carl Heinz Thurs, spent his 21st birthday on the island a few days later. Mr Thurs, who died in 2006, returned to Fair Isle twice in later life. Mr Thompson said the pilot had been taken aback by the welcome he got and decided to come back to the site of his crash years later. God, you know, they're only 21. They were so mm. jolly young, weren't they? Yeah. They probably made him a birthday cake. Yeah, they probably did too, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. The penultimate section of subsea cable laying for the Viking Wind Farm project in Shetland is underway in the Wesdale Vaux. Specialist cable laying vessel NKT Victoria and her team have begun laying around 60 kilometres of cable which will connect Shetland to the National Electricity Grid. The first 100k was laid in July last year and the final 100k to be completed later this year. Around 260 kilometres of subsea cable will be installed between Noss Head and, and Caithness and Wesdale Vaux for the 660 million pound high voltage current project. 660 million pound. Of course, it makes your eyes water, doesn't it? Oh, it certainly <laughs> does. No wonder it's high voltage. <laughs> this Now, this article was written by Leo Martini-Brown. By national standards, crime levels are very low in Orkney, but any antisocial activity can cause distress and cost. In an emergency, to whom should we turn? The insurance firm? our trusted family and neighbours, faith leaders, or for some, the police off the island. A-Teams-based recruitment drive was held in 2021, but with little success. In Scotland, the number of special constables has reduced from 1,394 in 2014 to only 423 on February 2023. What can be done to reverse this trend? There's no longer an upper age restriction and a commitment is made towards having equal opportunities within the police service. Stronsay formerly had its own police station and a lock-up in Whitehall and later special constables. Should there not be a National Police Scotland strategy to place in all isolated communities with over a certain population, say 100, a special constable. Currently the allowance given akins to volunteer expenses like retained firefighters. Eight of the ten Orkney fire stations, not Stronze, cannot find enough retained firefighters. Most community council clerks in Orkney are remunerated with nominal payments, but others, as in Stronze, are given additional hours and responsibilities and are paid accordingly. 
It is suggested the same should happen when appointing additional special constables in these isolated communities like Stronzo. And I would say Shetland will have a similar problem um, with not having police yes. on the islands. And yes, and firefighters. Yeah. and I you know, think it's difficult everywhere, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, um, because vandalism seems to be quite prevalent in both mm. islands, actually. Mm. And I, you know, I think little horrors. Yeah. Mm, anyhow. <laughs> Yeah, the Ford Motor Company could have been the Malcolmson Motor Company, named after an Orkney man, Alexander Malcolmson from Walls, who went to America and founded a coal business, and then joined Henry Ford in financing the pioneering automobile business. It was Malcolmson's financial backing and Ford's engineering expertise that combined to lay the foundation stones of the multi-billion pound car corporation. However, Malcolmson apparently sold his share of the business before the company became successful. At one time, Malcolmson owned one quarter of Ford, and if it had gone successfully for him, he would have been one of the wealthiest men in the world. However, it didn't, and although he probably didn't die penniless, he would certainly must have regretted his fateful decision of July the 12th, 1906. That day, he decided to sell his Ford shares for $175,000. If he had waited about 13 years, he would have been paid in excess of $600 million. <laughs> what would that be worth today? <laughs> Goodness me. That's a real B moment, isn't it? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> And this article was written in the Orcadian in January 2004. An ancient monument hidden in Kirkwall is to be relocated to a different area where the public can see it. Pirate Gow's Folly is also known as the Grotie House. It's currently hidden from sight in Kirkwall's Bridge Street. The stone monument was built in 1730 in what at the time was considered one of the finest gardens in Orkney. Some of the ballast from the infamous pirate Gow's ship, the Revenge, which he grounded at the Calf of Eddy, off the island's north coast, was used for the roof. A tall, conical spire, which eventually sported a weather vane, was also constructed from the ship's ballast. Trees were also planted in an attractive garden surrounding the Grotie House. However, the garden was lost towards the end of the 19th century when the houses were built on the area causing it to stand alone in its present desolate state. The Grotty House was now hidden from view behind Baker's Todds of Orkney. Kirkwall Community Council has been working on plans to move the attraction for the past two years. The group identified Tankaneas House Gardens as their preferred site for the attraction. They have already received permission and listed building consent in respect of the relocation and local islands councillors last week gave their backing to the project on Tuesday's Orkney Island Council Recreation and Cultural Services Committee meeting. The total relocation cost of the project stands at £61,430. Chairman Mike Drever said he was happy to back the recommendation to approve the plans. That's pounds too. You've got to double it when it's dollars and it does sort of oh, make your exactly. uh, major eyebrows a bit, doesn't it? Mm. 
Kirkwall Community Council has secured funding from a number of different organisations, including the Community Heritage Fund, Orkney Enterprise, the Lottery Heritage Fund and Todd Holdings, the owner of the site where the Grotey House is currently based. Plans are now in progress which will see Pirate Gow's Folly taken apart and rebuilt at the foot of Tankinus House Gardens. And Tankinus House Gardens are lovely and I've seen the Grotey House in both situations actually and must say it really looks good in Tankinus House. Yeah, it's really is an interesting little building. Mm. Mm. Oh, so old, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Blether was a column in the Orcadian about 20 years ago, and the next two articles come from it. As shown by the statistics of the 2001 census, the Orcadian reported the continuing migration of Orcadians away from the outer islands to the Orkney mainland. But a hundred years ago, Kirkwall's Medical Officer of Health, Dr Benjamin Bell, warned Orcadians from the Isles and rural districts that the price they faced for moving to the bright lights of Kirkwall could be death. Yeah. In his 1903 annual report to the Kirkwall Town Council, Dr Bell said, It is an everyday experience that young persons coming from the country districts to our towns after a short time completely break down, the new surroundings being quite unsuited to their constitutions. I was just reading that as shown by the statistics of the 2001. That could be the 19,001 statistics because I don't think that would be too much. um, Yeah, maybe it was my mistake there. Um, quite interesting, but I would say possibly it, um, you know, tuberculosis, yeah. Mm. Members of families who for generations have done good and useful work for their country in rural districts cannot without, in most cases, paying the penalty of deterioration of health and comparatively early death, rush into our towns and engage in severe brain work, <laughs> that was a bit funny, <laughs> or in fact skilled manual label. Labour. It must be remembered that persons brought up in the country are much more liable to contact certain ailments such as tuberculosis when they are exposed to the infection than their town-bred companions. Yes, I think that's true, that you're likely to contract Well, tuberculosis was was really bad, um, you know, in the 1800s. Because you wouldn't be out in the country working, breathing the fresh air. Yeah, well, yeah. And you'd possibly be living in... uh, crowded accommodation in the city, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I came across an interesting site on the internet recently, and the next two pieces come from it. Adolf Hitler, self-appointed saviour of mankind, wants to liberate the Orkney and Shetland Islands. The German people have been told this in all seriousness, for Hitler's sympathy with the oppressed Orcadians and Shetlanders is expressed in no less an official source than Vol Kishna Bierbacher, <laughs> main mouthpiece of the Nazi party. <laughs> While we laugh at adults' latest dream, it shows at the same time the unbelievable lengths to which Nazi propaganda can go. Historical note for Adolf's attention. In 1468, a needy king of Denmark pledged Orkney and Shetland to James III of Scotland as security for his daughter's dowry. In default of payment, 
they became Scottish territory. <laughs> and that actually happened, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And following the invasion of Norway, it was decided that Orkney and Shetland defences would come under the direct control of the War Office and removed from Scottish command. This took effect from the 20th of August 1940. An increased army presence took overall responsibility for defending the islands against a possible threat from sea, air and land. The over-responsibility for the defence of Shetland was with the Admiralty, Orkney and Shetland Defence Force, with ground defences designated to the Army. This included the Shetland Home Defence Battalion. These included various famous British regiments, including the 7th Black Watch, 8th Gordon Highlanders, 9th Green Howards, and 12th Royal Warwicks. So, yes, I were. Greer Garson, the daughter of an Orkney mainland farmer, won the Best Actress Oscar in 1943 for her role in the film Mrs Miniver. She obviously achieved more success in films than she did in her marriage to Edward Snelson, which apparently lasted just 35 days. Another marital curio with an Orkney link concerns the late romantic novelist Barbara Cartland. In 1927, she married Alexander McCorkendale, then tenant of Swanbister House in Ophir, Orkney. Six years later, she divorced Alexander and married his cousin Hugh. Her daughter Rain became the stepmother of Diana, Princess of Wales. Captain Alexander McCorkadale retained his links with Orkney and he was buried in the country after his death in 1964. <laughs> it's funny how... Mm. Um, these important people turn up in Orkney and Shetland, actually. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, we've come to the end of another programme and another month has gone by, which means only eight months now before, hopefully, I will be allowed to drive again. It is a real pain having to rely on other people or catch a bus, which takes so long to get anywhere. <laughs> but cheerio for now. Bye for now. Keep yeah. well. Beep, beep.